0: Okay. All right. This is The Mop-Up for November 25th, 2023. I'm David Feldman. Please like this so I remain in your feed. Speaking of feed, I hope you all spent Thanksgiving with people you love. I know I did. Me. I spent it with just me, standing over the kitchen sink, eating cold beans, because I now identify as a Spartan. Best Thanksgiving ever. On today's show, I have some good news for Democrats. I will explain why the national polls mean nothing. You have to win the Electoral College to be president, and Trump, if he's the nominee, doesn't have a pathway back to the White House. I'm going to show you the map. I looked at it all day today. You'll see Biden's firewall is a handful of states And for Trump, they're impenetrable. I promise you, it's good news. More on that later. NBC News says gun ownership in America is now the highest since they've begun asking the question back in 1999. 52% of Americans say they or someone in their household owns a gun. But to be fair, if some stranger calls to ask if I own a gun, I'm going to say Yes, several. Does an AR-15 count as a gun? Because I have 16 of them. Who answers a call from a stranger and says, no, no, no guns and no locks on my door? The NBC News poll also shows that only 19 percent of Americans believe their children will be better off than they are. Well, that makes me feel good. It's nice to think that I'm at least beating my kids. I mean, not beating my, well, you know, you can't beat your But it's nice to know that I, I, I'm going to win that competition. This is the lowest number since NBC News began asking this question in 1990. Do you think your children will be better off than you are? Who wants your kids to be better off than you? want them dependent on you. Cheap labor. New York State's adult Survivors Act expired on Friday. The law lifted the statute of limitations on sexual assault in New York by providing a brief one-year window for victims to file lawsuits against their attackers. That window has now officially closed. You had to file the lawsuit before yesterday, but the lawsuits, if you file them and their appeals will continue. In the last year, E.G. Carroll, sued Donald Trump for rape and defamation. She won $5 million in May. And a second defamation trial begins in January on the same day as the Iowa caucuses. Actress Julia Ormond sued film producer Harvey Weinstein last month. Bill Cosby, Russell Brand, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, Axel Rose, celebrity photographer Terry Richardson and Jamie Fox are all now being sued thanks to this uh, this Adult Survivors Act uh, that uh, expired yesterday. P. Diddy uh, was accused by one woman and he settled out of court with her. But then two new women have stepped forward. According to the Associated Press, thanks to this bill, Nearly 2,500 lawsuits were filed in the past year. And while most of our attention has gone to the high profile celebrities, the vast preponderance of these lawsuits, according to the Associated Press, have been aimed at the city and state of New York for allowing sexual misconduct or rape to take place in our prisons and other government institutions. Meanwhile, the Daily Beast reports that Donald Trump's chief campaign spokesman back in 2016, who has returned to serve as one of his top advisors in the 2024 race, is being sued for rape by A.J. Delgado, a former Trump campaign staffer, who alleges in the lawsuit that Miller, this isn't Stephen Miller, it's Jason Miller, Jason Miller, Trump's top advisor now in this lawsuit, in this rape lawsuit, he's being accused of creating, quote, a cycle of sexual coercion, rape, sexual assault, abuse, battery, sexual harassment and sex trafficking. Jason Miller and Delgado had a baby together during the first Trump campaign while he was married. Delgado has sued him several times to collect child support. According to a child custody filing made by Miller's baby mama, Delgado, uh, Jason Miller is alleged to have carried on an affair with a stripper back in 2012 until he got her pregnant. Although Miller denies all this, Snopes reports that Delgado told the court that Miller wanted the stripper to get an abortion, and when she wouldn't get one, he slipped an abortion-inducing drug into her smoothie, which made her violently ill, and after being rushed to the hospital, she lost the baby. Now, that story about the stripper and the abortion pill in the smoothie was originally published on the website Splinter, Miller, Jason Miller, accused the reporter of reporting just what was in the court filing. But the reporter, Yashir Ali, said, no, it was corroborated by two other women. Miller sued Splinter's parent company, Gizmodo, for $100 million, claiming that that article defamed him. During the trial, he admitted to hiring prostitutes and cheating on his wife, Although the stripper reportedly testified and said she was never pregnant with his child, his defamation suit was thrown out, with Miller ordered to pay Gizmodo $45,000 in court costs. In other words, Jason Miller is a top Trump official. Tim Alberta's new book, The Kingdom, The Power, and the glory American evangelicals in a time of extremism is a new problem for Donald Trump heading into Iowa, where you can't win with the without the evangelicals and you can't win the evangelicals if you think they're real pieces of shit, which, according to this new book, Donald Trump does. If you recall, Ted Cruz beat Donald Trump and won the Iowa caucus in 2016, partly because Cruz had received the endorsement from high-ranking members of the Christian right, like Tony Perkins from the Family Research Council. According to this new book, Trump, after losing Iowa and right before claiming it was stolen from him, he said to a confident, quote, you know, these so called Christians hanging around with Ted Cruz are some real pieces of shit. According to the book, Trump continues to use that term to describe any evangelical Christians who disagree with him. This might explain why Iowa evangelical leader Bob Vanderplatz has endorsed Ron DeSantis for president. And not Donald Trump. This is huge. If you want to win Iowa, you need the endorsement from Bob Vanderplatz, the Iowa evangelical leader. Now, Vanderplatz endorsed Ted Cruz in 2016, not Trump. And like I just said, Cruz ended up winning. Vanderplatz also endorsed Rick Santorum in 2012, and Santorum ended up winning Iowa. Despite losing the nomination to Mitt Romney. So, this is getting interesting. Vanderplatz or Platz does not approve of Donald Trump, not just because of Trump's waffling on a national abortion ban. In 2018, in an opinion piece for the New York Times entitled Cruelty at the Border is Not Justice, Vanderplatz called Trump's family separation policy inexcusable and unconscionable. Iowa is January 15th. These are caucuses, and they're unpredictable. DeSantis has now picked up a big, big endorsement from the top Christian in that state. He also got the endorsement from the governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, who Trump started a trash talk after she didn't endorse him. The real clear Polling averages show Trump in first place in Iowa Iowa with 47 percent. DeSantis is in second with only 17 percent. But here's where it gets really interesting. According to an article I found in the Des Moines Register written back in 2019, the Iowa caucus opinion polls leading up to the caucus are always misleading Winners often have a habit of a last minute surge. For example, Rick Santorum, who won Iowa in 2012, was tied for sixth place in November of 2011, two months before the caucuses, which he then proceeded to win. And Ted Cruz was in third place in October of 2015. Three months later, he went on to win. The Des Moines Register quotes Democrat Dave Nagel, a former congressman and Iowa caucus expert. Dave Nagel says, quote, when it comes to the Iowa caucuses, rule number one is organize. Rule number two is organize. And rule number three is you get hot at the end. You get hot at the end. So you cannot win Iowa unless you organize. These are caucuses. You need a ground game. Trump has shown that he can win from the air in big markets by running ads, showing up for rallies and then leaving. But Iowa is retail politics and you have to pass the smell test and Trump stinks. Look, maybe Trump will win in Iowa. He has defied all conventional wisdom, and yet again, he hasn't. I see a potential upset in Iowa. I'm saying DeSantis, and then what? And then what? Trump is a very sick man. When he lost to Cruz in 2016, he yelled fraud at the polls. He's much sicker today. Will Trump accept defeat? Is he capable of that? And if he does accept defeat, then he's just part of the pack and he will look vulnerable. He's not capable of looking vulnerable. But if he claims fraud at the polls, if he accuses the Republican Party of cheating him, and why wouldn't he? I mean, he's already talk. He's trash talking to the governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds. He's already uh, trash talking the, the chairman of the RNC. Why wouldn't he accuse these people, his fellow Republicans, of conspiring to steal the election in New Hampshire for DeSantis. Uh, I mean, in Iowa for DeSantis. And then moving into New Hampshire, how does that play to the voters in New Hampshire if he's not willing to admit defeat in Iowa? Boy, if I didn't live in America, this would be so exciting to watch. The Colorado State Supreme Court has agreed to hear an appeal on a judge's ruling last week that even though Donald Trump participated in an insurrection on January 6, Colorado's Secretary of State lacks the authority to scrape his name from the ballots. According to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, anyone who swore an oath to uphold the Constitution then participated in an insurrection is forbidden from ever holding elective office again. The judge ruled that he did participate in an insurrection. So this is going to the Colorado State Supreme Court, possibly the United States Supreme Court. It has to be before, I think, January 15th when the ballots are finalized. Donald Trump announced he is flying to Argentina to to congratulate that country's new president-elect, Javier Millet. Millet said as president he will implement what he calls shock therapy to their economy by cutting government spending in order to reduce the country's inflation rate, which is now 140 percent for the year. The new president calls himself a libertarian who says he supports Trump and former Brazilian leader Bolsonaro. is opposed to same-sex marriage, abortion, unions, and wants to privatize education and health care. He is anti-vax, pro-gun, supports Israel and Ukraine. Trump might also want to plan a trip to the Netherlands, because in Holland, voters veered sharply right this week, and it now looks like Geert Wilders will become the next prime minister after promising to ban immigrants, close mosques, and forbid the Koran, although he's toning it all down a little. Wilders doubled the number of votes since the last election, but he still must form a coalition. Wilders has proposed having a national referendum on whether Holland should leave the European Union, Like Great Britain's Brexit, they're calling it Negxit. We were talking about Iowa and the polls. Well, this election completely flabbergasted the pollsters in Holland. Wilder's comments about Muslims and their holy books are way too offensive for me to repeat on this show. Because of his blatant Islamophobia, he has been banned from visiting Great Britain and was prosecuted in his own country for inciting hatred and discrimination, but was later found not guilty since his words were considered part of that country's political debate. You know, I have to say, as bad as Trump and Stephen Miller and the Republicans are, they don't come close to this guy yet. Yet. They want to, but not yet. We're one terrorist attack away from that. And with Trump as president, the floodgates open up. A car crash on the Rainbow Bridge along the Canadian-U.S. border resulted in a massive fireball that at first looked to some like a bomb. It wasn't. But Fox News reported it as a probable terrorist attack, And that led Ted Cruz, Vivek Ramaswamy, and election denier Carrie Lake, who's now running for the Senate in Arizona, to all use what they immediately thought was a terrorist attack to call for tighter borders. Vivek Ramaswamy's mother and father were not American citizens. When he was born here in America, he is the beneficiary of birthright citizenship, something he now wants to eliminate. I should also mention that Vivek Ramaswamy's father never became a United States citizen. His mother did, but his father decided he didn't want to become an American citizen. And when you listen to Vivek Ramaswamy talk, it's obvious why his father didn't want to become an American citizen, because they hate America. And they hate Americans. Vivek Ramaswamy is the beneficiary of birthright citizenship, but he wants to eliminate it. And he is the best argument for eliminating birthright citizenship. Born in this country to two immigrants who didn't have citizenship, he's only a citizen because of birthright citizenship that he wants to eliminate, and his America-hating father will not become a U.S. citizen. I love throwing their rhetoric right back at their faces. How come your father isn't an American citizen? Doesn't he love this country? Anyway, I digressed. Vivek Ramaswamy, how is that not like the number one question he's asked at every debate? Why isn't your father an American citizen? How could you be running as a Republican when you're the beneficiary of birthright citizenship and your father doesn't want to become an American citizen? Very successful patent attorney. His mother's a psychiatrist. His father's a very successful patent attorney. Could easily become a U.S. citizen, chose not to. And you're running for the Republican nomination? And nobody's asking you about this. Anyway, Vivek Ramaswamy, did I mention he's the beneficiary of birthright citizenship, which he wants to eliminate? God, what a repulsive human being. Uh, Yes, he hates America. He was raised to hate America. Uh, He said during the most recent Republican debate that he not only wants to build a wall along the Mexican border to keep the migrants out. He also wants to build a wall along the Canadian border to keep the Canadians out. Because Vivek says we must fear immigrants, you know, like his father who never became a US citizen. And why isn't that asked of him at every debate? Well, after the explosion on the Rainbow Bridge, Ramaswamy jumped on Twitter to insist, you see, it's a terrorist attack. This is why we need to tighten the northern border and build the wall to keep us safe from all these foreigners coming in from Canada. But it wasn't a terrorist attack. It was just a Bentley, a Bentley that cost more than $200,000 It had an eight-cylinder engine that generated 542 horsepower and weighed 5,137 pounds. I have no idea what that means, other than when it explodes, it does a lot of damage. I have no idea what an eight-cylinder engine means, and I have no idea what 542 horsepower means. means. And if the day ever comes that I'm in Jay Leno's garage talking about this shit, I'm going to slit my wrists. Anyway, uh, so it wasn't a terrorist attack. It was a Bentley that exploded. So Chris Christie went on the attack and he attacked Vivek Ramaswamy for calling it a terrorist attack and saying we have to close the borders. Chris Christie said, quote, You jumped, Vivek, you jumped to the conclusion it is terrorism without any definitive proof. This is why your judgment is so flawed and you'd be such an awful president. Here's a hint for you. Wait for the evidence and then make judgments. That's what any experienced leader would do. Amen. But Chris Christie's also a, uh, anyway... According to a new Wall Street Journal poll, the American dream appears out of reach to most Americans. Only 36 percent say the American dream still exists. Thirty six percent. That's down from 48 percent who thought it existed back in 2016. Every year, fewer and fewer Americans believe in the American dream And yet they say we're not getting smarter. Horatio Alger, pedophile. Google it. Guy who wrote all the rags to riches stories about the American dream. Horatio Alger, pedophile. That's your American dream. America's COVID-era safety net programs that lifted millions out of poverty during the first part of the Biden administration are expiring rapidly and will pretty much be extinct or over, not necessarily extinct, but over by the end of this year. Politico reports that as funding for these programs unravel over the next couple of weeks, it will disproportionately affect women, children, and people of color. On October 1st, the three-and-a-half-year moratorium on paying back student loans expired. That means millions of Americans are now once again diverting a significant portion of their salary towards paying back their loans. This is expected to create a major dip in consumer spending by next spring. Now, to his credit, Joe Biden has succeeded in forgiving billions of dollars in loans by ordering the Department of Education to find workarounds, after the Supreme Court earlier this year ruled his initial student loan forgiveness program was unconstitutional. This is an example of a messaging problem that he has because the message is very Baroque, Byzantine, Byzantine and complicated. Nearly 20 million Americans are now eligible to have their student loan debt canceled anyone earning less than $125,000 a year is eligible to have $10 to $20,000 of their debt forgiven. Biden also announced new plans to pay back loans to, to make it easier to pay back loans with friendlier and more forgiving interest rates. It doesn't read like Medicare Medicaid. There are a lot of clauses. It's complicated. It's a hard thing to message. But he's accomplished a lot, considering the Supreme Court and Congress that we have. It's just hard to message this. He did it all through executive order, because Republicans in Congress and Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema wouldn't budge. The twenty-four billion dollar COVID era. Support for daycare is also expired. Hundreds of thousands of Americans are now in danger of losing their SNAP benefits, food stamps, thanks to a debt ceiling deal Republicans forced on Biden back in June to avoid both a government shutdown and a default on our national debt. With the 2024 budget still being hammered out, Republicans are trying to cut $1 billion from the special supplemental nutrition program for women, infants, and children known commonly as WIC, which would mean hundreds of thousands of pregnant women and new mothers, along with their babies, would lose those benefits Meanwhile, they're holding up other bills. Republicans are holding up other appropriations bills to attach abortion riders, anti-abortion riders, right? They want you to have the baby, and then once it's born, no wick. Politico says during the first two years of his presidency, Biden spent $2 trillion expanding America's social safety net. This is... The largest increase in spending on America's social safety net in more than 50 years as a percentage of our GDP, it is the largest amount of spending on our social safety net in more than 50 years. The poverty rate, thanks to his stimulus bill, the poverty rate in America shrank to its lowest on record. But as Republicans and Joe Manchin and Kyrsten Sinema demand pullbacks on spending, America's poverty rate rate for children has now doubled. It's gone back up. Politico reports that low income Americans are worse off today than they were at the peak of the COVID epidemic at the start of 2021. Now, It is believed the greatest contribution to relieving childhood poverty, perhaps in American history, was Biden's child tax credit, which increased payments to some families by as much as $3,600 a month. But that expired last year, and immediately after it expired, child poverty in America doubled. The article in Politico quotes several academics who say Biden proved during his first two years what Lyndon Johnson proved and what Franklin Delano Roosevelt proved. And that is the government can, in fact, reduce poverty. Unfortunately, people like Joe Manchin and the Republicans Unfortunately, they can also increase poverty by gutting all these essential programs that benefit women, children, and people of color. Going into the 2024 presidential election, right now, half this country doesn't have $500 in their savings account. Again, For about two years, I could no longer, I I was saying that when Trump was president, I stopped saying it when Biden, after about four months into Biden's presidency, now we can say it again because the Republicans are killing our social safety net. President Biden's campaign Reportedly spent big on television ad buys in Michigan and Wisconsin over the Thanksgiving Day weekend. Biden won Michigan and Wisconsin in 2020. He will not be able to afford to lose them in 2024. He can't. He's got to win Michigan and Wisconsin. If he loses Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, he's a one term president. But I have good news, and this is going to be fun. This makes me happy. I have good news about 2024, at least if you're rooting for Joe Biden, because he's all we got. So the national polls are very disheartening, uh, but they don't mean anything. The real clear polling averages right now show Trump up over Biden by a little more than two points nationally. Now, one of the reasons some say Trump is doing better than Biden right now is because the media has stopped the wall to wall coverage of him the way they did back in 2016. Some people in Washington are now saying all anyone sees and talks about is Joe Biden, while Trump, despite four criminal trials next year, has gone back to being an abstraction for voters when it comes to considering what kind of president he would be. See, it turns out most Americans aren't following Trump's criminal trials. They're somewhat complicated and hard to keep track of. More importantly, Americans have a short memory for how disastrously cruel and corrupt the Trump administration turned out to be. And so there are some who are now saying the news media is performing a disservice by not covering Trump the way they once did so Americans can see that his behavior and his policies have gotten so much worse. Trump does not get the wall-to-wall coverage he once got, so the public doesn't see the fascism, the ignorance, and the clinical insanity. Believe it or not, the reason Trump is doing a little better in the national polls is America still has yet to take a second look at him. I mean, you and I are obsessed with the guy. How can you not be? But most people are not. More importantly, You don't get reelected with the popular vote. You get reelected state by state in the Electoral College, and if you look at the map, it favors Joe Biden. This is pretty good news. There's a file firewall that's impenetrable. Forget the national polls. Okay, so let's take a look at the Electoral College. from 2016 this was hillary clinton against donald trump and she won the popular vote by more than three million biden won it by more than seven million okay now you have to win state by state and you need 270 votes to win on this map you see donald trump with 306 votes hillary with 232 In 2016, why did this happen? Well, the Democrats thought Ohio and Florida were swing states. So Democrats were focusing all their energy and ad buys in Ohio and Florida. And at the same time, they neglected Michigan. I don't think Hillary campaigned in Michigan or campaigned rarely in Michigan, And they neglected Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. And this is, you know, we complain about polling, but this is why polling is so important. You need good pollsters in your campaign. You need to know when to cut bait and start going where the fish are. But Hillary was working off Barack Obama's playbook. You know how they say you always fight the last war, not the war in front of you? She was fighting the last war from 2012. And she thought you had to win Ohio and Florida. That was received wisdom. You cannot win the presidency unless you win Ohio, especially Ohio. So take a look at this map. We did some calculations here. If Hillary... Loses Florida and Ohio, which she did. But had she won Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, look what happens. That gives her 278 electoral votes to Trump's 260. She can lose Arizona and Georgia, and she still wins. Now, by the way, she lost Wisconsin by about 25,000 votes. Michigan, she lost by about 10,000 votes, which is pretty good considering she hardly campaigned there. And she lost Pennsylvania by about 44,000 votes. But Ohio was a lost cause. She lost Ohio by 440,000 votes. She lost Ohio by 440,000 votes. And they must have seen that by October. They, they, They had to have known that Ohio was unwinnable. And instead of pivoting and focusing on Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, she doubled down on Ohio because she was convinced you can't win the Electoral College unless you win Ohio. Florida, I don't blame her too much because that was tighter. She only lost Florida by 100,000 votes. But Florida, for the Democrats, is a lost cause. Forget Ohio, forget Florida. Had she given up on Ohio and focused on Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania instead, she'd be in her second term as president right now. She would have picked four out of the five justices on the Supreme Court, and Roe v. Wade doesn't get overturned. Now, this is Joe Biden's map in 2020. He wins the popular vote by 7 million votes, 4 million more than Hillary, got. And don't forget, Hillary won the popular vote in 2016. This is Joe Biden's map in 2020. And it's just fascinating. He lost Ohio and he lost Florida. But he flips two smaller states, Georgia and Arizona. But he didn't need to win Georgia and Arizona. Because the real story, this is his firewall. The real story here is he runs the table and gets Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. That's what did it for him, winning Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. He gets 306 electoral votes. Trump gets 232. Give up on Florida give up on Ohio. It's the Biden firewall. And I believe the Biden firewall. And this is bad news for Trump. His fire Biden's firewall is Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Trump cannot penetrate those three states. I'll show you why in a second, but to give you an idea of just how important Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania are, This is the 2020 map, but we punched in Biden losing Georgia and Arizona. He won Georgia and Arizona, but we punch in Georgia and Arizona going into the Trump column. We give Biden flipping only Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. That gets Biden to 279. You need 270 to win the Electoral College. Trump gets 259. So think about this because this is a whole new map that we're looking at for 2024. The Democrats, Joe Biden, forget Ohio, forget Florida, forget North Carolina, forget Iowa, which is, you know, they're not even doing the caucuses this year. So they've already, the Democrats have already forgotten Iowa. Those are still going to be considered swing states, ignore them. That was Obama's road to the presidency. That wasn't Joe Biden's road. Forget Obama. He was a transformational figure, so he was able to do things nobody else could do. He won Iowa. He won Florida. He won Ohio. He even won North Carolina in 2008, he didn't get it in 2012. So forget North Carolina. It's not in play. Obama won those states, some of them, either in 2008 or 2012. The Democrats did not. Obama won those. In 2008, I forgot about this. Obama won Indiana. Mike Pence Mike Pence's Indiana. He won Indiana in 2008. He was transformational. He was a different different candidate. Biden doesn't need any of those Obama pickups. All he needs to do is put all his chips on Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. He's reelected. I don't see how he loses those three states, except for Wisconsin. I'll get to that uh, in a second. This is really good news uh, for Biden and bad news for Trump. Look at this map. This is if Biden loses Georgia, Arizona and Nevada. So I'm factoring them out. Uh, Nevada has been blue But it's never a solid blue. We always have to wait for the results. So let's give Nevada to Trump. Let's give Arizona to Trump. Let's give Georgia to Trump. Look at this. As long as Biden wins Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, he gets 273 to Trump's 265. Again, you need 270. And if you look at the rest of the map, there's really no other races Biden needs to worry about. It's amazing just you just need a handful of blue states. You, you look at a map of this country and it's mostly red, but they're empty. You win a handful of these big East Coast, Midwest, West Coast states, just a handful. You own the presidency. So again, look at this. This is the map. From 2020, Biden beats Trump because Biden outperformed Hillary in Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. But all he needed was Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. One year out, I love what I see. I don't care what the polls are saying about the national polls. Okay, maybe Biden will have trouble in Wisconsin. So. Then he needs Arizona or Georgia to make up that deficit. You know, unless we're talking a wave election for Trump, I think Biden, uh, I think he can win Arizona. He won it last time. It was close. But now the Republicans have a bad taste in their mouths. Arizona Republicans have a bad taste in their mouths from the way that party treated a lot of good and decent Republicans in that state. Like the former Speaker of the State House, Rusty Bowers, uh, he ended up getting censured by the Republican Party in Arizona because he wouldn't participate in Rudy Giuliani's uh, fake elector scheme. He wouldn't call a special session of the House uh, to spread the lie of election fraud. Uh, I think a lot of Arizona Republicans voted for Trump reluctantly in 2020, but then the stuff he pulled in Arizona after the election in the lead up to January 6th, that's got to make a lot of moderate Republicans in Arizona just stay home on Election Day. They, maybe they can't bring themselves to, to vote for Joe Biden, so they'll just stay home. There's going to be a massive Democratic turnout in Arizona because they have a very competitive Senate race. Joe Manchin is retiring. Democrats are losing. They're going to lose the seat in West Virginia. The Democrats have to keep the seat in Arizona. And Kirsten Cinema is an independent now. She's not even sure she's running for re-election. She is the senator from Arizona. It, it looks most probably like Arizona is going to be Democratic Congressman Ruben Gallego, great guy, running against election denier Carrie Lake horrible, horrible, disgusting, repulsive human being. And I'm being generous by calling her a human being. This is going to get Democrats to the polls and Republicans to stay home. Ruben Gallego is a war veteran served in Iraq. People love him and they hate Carrie Lake. So this could be a state, Arizona, where Biden is actually pulled up by a down-ballot candidate. I think Biden will ride Ruben Gallego's coattails. You you go to vote for Ruben Gallego, you go to vote for the Senate, and you stay for Biden. So, let's talk about Georgia. Uh, doesn't look good right now for Georgia. Uh, Biden in Georgia. I suspect, however, there will be massive voter turnout in Georgia. And if there's massive voter turnout, that is good for the Democrats, which is why Brad Rafsensperger and Brian Kemp are trying always scrubbing the ballots in Georgia of black people. Down in Georgia, Trump's RICO trial is expected to be going on Past the election. He has alienated the governor, Brian Kemp, a Republican. He has alienated the Secretary of State of Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, a Republican. It would be hard for me to imagine Georgia Republicans being able to summon the enthusiasm to get out the vote for Trump. They are protecting the Republicans are protecting Fani Willis. They're they're protecting her. Uh, they don't like Trump, and Trump blew it for Georgia on January fifth, twenty twenty one. Republicans in that state, because of Donald Trump, stayed home for the runoff. Because they were disgusted by Donald Trump. This is January fifth, Ossoff, and uh, Jesus, I, I'm I can't I'm tired. Uh, uh, the uh, the two uh, Senate seats were uh, flipped, and they went to the Democrats. Uh, he. In 2022, last year, Trump supported Herschel Walker's run for Senate last year. Herschel Walker lost the state of Georgia. So Trump is very weak in Georgia. I know right now he's polling uh, better than Biden in Georgia right now, but polling is different than Raphael Warnock. How could I not know That name, uh, Raphael Warnock. Now I can focus. My mind, I was like, I'm going over my notes, I'm doing the show, but I'm thinking, why can't I remember his name? Raphael Warnock, Raphael Warnock. Uh, Okay, now I can relax. Uh, So Trump is weak in Georgia. And yes, he's polling better than Biden. But polling is different than actually voting. Plus, the Republican Party in Georgia is broke. The Arizona Republican Party is also broke. So I don't see any opportunity for Trump in Georgia or Arizona. Uh, I don't see any opportunity for Biden in Florida or Ohio. But here is something interesting to think about. A year from you know, we're a year out here. Ted Cruz is running for re-election in Texas. That's thirty-eight electoral votes. They used to call it the big enchilada until Republicans they've Republicans have had it. I know since George W. Bush. I don't know if Clinton took it in uh, ninety-six. I don't know. I would I would think he did, but it's 38 electoral votes now out of 11 million votes in 2020, 11 million votes cast in Texas, Biden only lost by half a million to Trump in 2020. So if this is a wave election for Biden, We could see it in Texas. Uh, Colin Allred, Congressman Colin Allred, is most probably going to be the one nominated to run against Ted Cruz. He is a much stronger candidate than Beto O'Rourke, who did amazingly well against Ted Cruz in 2018. I forgot about this and I was... Looking at this today, Beto O'Rourke only lost by 200,000 votes in 2018 out of what 10-11 million votes cast, Beto lost to Ted Cruz by 200,000 votes. That's that's incredible. It it says Texas We can dream, can't we? Texas could flip. I'm not saying it will. I'm saying it could, especially if Donald Trump gets the nomination. You know, the criminal trials are taking a toll on him. If he is forced to debate someone like Nikki Haley in the primaries, and then he's at the general election and his mental illness will will most decidedly get the best of him, People have no idea how sick he is. They have no idea. When people see how truly deranged Donald Trump is, how scary he is, if he gets the nomination, it is conceivable that he will destroy the Republican Party once and for all, and he'll bring Ted Cruz down with him. Because Trump people forget this, is a loser. He's lost every trial. He lost in 2016. Somehow he was able to win the electoral college. But he is a loser. He's been bankrupt six times. We know this. It's a cliche, but it bears repeating. He destroys everything he touches. And as terrifying as the Republican Party is, when you look at these Republicans feeding on one another in the House when they have power, it's because of Donald Trump. Everything he touches, he destroys. Now, again, the poll numbers look bad for Biden now. But Trump is a much sicker man than he was four years ago. And I think if he gets the nomination, he loses Texas. I think Texans just stay home. Or Texan Republicans, Texas Republicans stay home. So, you know, I'm very optimistic. Let's do a worst case scenario, okay? Of the three states that Biden has to win, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Wisconsin will be the toughest for Biden. He only won Wisconsin by 20,000 votes in 2020. It is conceivable that Biden loses Wisconsin, but then all he needs to do is win either Georgia or Arizona, and he gets to 270 and beyond. Uh, but let's say he loses Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin. Because uh, there's no way, I, there's absolutely no way Biden loses Michigan or Pennsylvania. I just don't see it. No way. I, I do think he could lose Wisconsin. So let's say he loses Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin. Well, then you have a tie 269 to 269. And that means it goes into the House of Representatives. And this will give you some insight into what the plan was for January 6. Each state gets one vote. You add up all the Congress members. This is if the the House of Representatives has to vote for the president. Each state gets one vote. You Get up all the Congress members and senators from each state, and whichever party in that delegation has the majority, that determines whether the state goes blue or red. So in this scenario, for example, Wyoming and California, each state, Wyoming and California, get one vote for president, one vote. California has 52 members of the House, 40 are Democrats, 10 are Republicans, plus they have two Democratic senators. So that delegation is a blue delegation. One vote for Joe Biden. One vote. Wyoming. One member of the House. It used to be Liz Cheney. Two senators. All Republicans. Add up the delegation. One congressperson, two senators, all Republicans. One vote for Trump. Wyoming has a population of 576,000 people. California has a population of 40 million people. The election gets thrown into the House of Representatives, Wyoming has the same number of votes as California. See, this is a very left-of-center, liberal country. We have an effed-up constitution that was made for slaveholders. Think about that. I mean, it's just... Anyway, so look at this map based on 2023... Uh, this is the congressional delegations as of right now. So if we were to have, if, if a presidential election were thrown into the House of Representatives right now, Republicans would hold a 26 to 2022 edge. Uh, two states, Minnesota and North Carolina, their delegations are evenly split. So that means right now, if the election presidential election, were thrown into the House today, Trump wins. However, the Electoral College will be certified on January 6, 2025, right after the new House and the new Senate has been sworn in. The Democrats—this will show you how unfair this is—the Democrats— could control the Senate and and the House. The the Democrats could could win back the House and keep the Senate. But Biden, if it's thrown into the House of Representatives, would probably still lose if the House of Representatives had a vote. And that's exactly what we were looking at exactly what we were looking at on January 6th. This is one of the reasons I wanted you to see this. This was something we weren't really paying attention to in the lead up to January 6th. But as this RICO trial down in Georgia unfolds, John Eastman and Sidney Powell and Kenneth Cheesebro, they were paying attention to this. This is what we were looking at on January 6th. Democrats controlled the House of Representatives on January 6th. And the Georgia runoff was January 5th. The Democrats on January 5th flipped the Senate. They won two—Raphael Warnick, thank God I remembered that name, and Ossoff. And the Democrats took control of the Senate— But if the presidential election in 2021 had to be decided in the House of Representatives, Trump would have still won, which is why this explains the RICO trial, what the plan was. The Republicans were desperately trying to delay the certification and create confusion and doubt that was the plan. They knew that if if they could just convince the Supreme Court that there were uh, there was voter fraud or suspicions of voter fraud, a need to investigate voter fraud, if two sets of electors from Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, uh, and other swing states. Uh, were up for debate on January 6th. The Supreme Court, the plan was for the Supreme Court to rule, you know what? Let the House of Representatives sort it all out. And Trump wins. Look at this map. And that was the grand plan on January 6th. Get it thrown into the House of Representatives. Create a Bush v. Gore scenario, where the Supreme Court punts and says, "Let the House of Representatives decide," and Trump wins, and because the House of Representatives House of Representatives voted for him, he has legitimacy. So Biden does not want a tie in the Electoral College. If there's a tie in the Electoral College, he loses. Okay, one other nightmare scenario is Biden losing Michigan, Georgia, and Arizona. Biden wins Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, but he loses Michigan, Georgia, and Arizona. Well, hang on for one second. This is if Trump this is Trump forget this. Uh Biden loses Georgia, Arizona, and forget that. He's not going to lose Michigan. And what are we looking at now? This is Biden if he loses Michigan. Uh, What am I looking at here? He wins Georgia, Biden wins Georgia and Arizona, but he loses Michigan, it's 290 to uh, 248. Okay. So, again, these national polls don't mean anything. Uh, if you go state by state, it's kind of interesting. In Michigan right now, Biden seems to be leading Trump. There are some outlier polls, but I think Trump has peaked in the polls. And as people take a closer look in Michigan, they're going to be reminded of who Trump is. Uh, But in Michigan, if Biden goes up against Nikki Haley, it's a blowout. She beats him in some polls in Michigan by 11 points. Trump, much easier to beat than Nikki Haley in Michigan. Uh, In Pennsylvania... The New York Times poll shows Biden-Trump even. But Biden loses to Nikki Haley by 10 points in Pennsylvania. In Wisconsin, the New York Times poll has Biden up over Trump by two points. In Wisconsin, however, if it's Biden versus Nikki Haley, she beats Biden by 14 points. In Georgia, not looking good for Biden. New York Times and other polls show Trump beating Biden by anywhere between seven to eight points. Again, is a wild card. And in Arizona, Biden and Trump are tied in the latest New York Times poll. But in a matchup between Nikki Haley and Joe Biden in Arizona, Haley beats Joe Biden by nine points. So... With this a year away, what what do we know? We know that Joe Biden has to win Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. If he wins Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, that's his firewall. He's reelected. He can forget Georgia. He can forget Arizona. He can forget Florida and all the other swing states, He just needs Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania if he goes up against Donald Trump. But if he goes up against Nikki Haley, then we have a problem. Right now, it looks like we have a problem. Again, Nikki Haley is an unknown quantity right now. So people are projecting onto her whatever they want her to be. That's how Obama won She's an idiot. Uh, but a lot of things can happen between now and November 2024. Here's the tough question. It pains me to say this because he's so dangerous. But if you're a Democrat, our best bet is Trump getting the nomination. Right? Right? Keep in mind, however, that's exactly what the smart money was saying eight years ago about Trump. In 2016, all the smart money was everybody looking and going, oh, if only Trump were the candidate. The Democrats wanted to run against Trump in 2016. Hillary and Bill Clinton, they went to Trump's wedding to Melania. They encouraged him. To run. They said, you'll be a great candidate. So be careful what you wish for. But right now, it looks like Trump will be a much easier candidate to beat than Nikki Haley. Maybe. And that's a year from now. Today is November, what is it, 25th? Or 24th? It's the 25th. And Iowa is January 15th, 2024. So what is that, seven weeks away? This is no longer hypothetical. If I'm Donald Trump, I'm worried about Nikki Haley. She's beating him in the November polls. She's not beating him in the primaries, but she's outperforming him nationally In the November polls, she's looking like the stronger candidate for the general election. And that means a couple of things. Big money donors right now are showering, showering Nikki Haley with cash. And there's a a flood of dark money uh, coming her way that we don't even know about heading into New Hampshire and South Carolina. The other problem for Trump is this is shaping up to be a much more brutal primary season for him than these polls are suggesting because he's got to go up against fewer candidates, fewer candidates to dilute the vote. Trump has a base in the in in the Republican Party of what? Anywhere between and 35%. Uh, By the time we get to South Carolina, Chris Christie will be out. Uh, And even though the hard Christian right is throwing its lot in with Ron DeSantis, that only helps him in Iowa. DeSantis has to win Iowa. If DeSantis doesn't win Iowa, he's out. So basically... Unless Ron DeSantis, I mean, look at Ron DeSantis. Does anybody think Ron DeSantis is going to last past New Hampshire? It's Nikki Haley versus Trump. And that's not good for Donald Trump. How does he run against a woman? How does he do this? Now, it could be a blowout for Trump. But if it isn't, if it's tighter than the polls suggest, then he's going to have to debate her. And if he debates Nikki Haley, she gets the nomination. Trump hasn't debated in nearly four years. He can't do it. He is clinically insane. And the reason he's doing so well in the polls is most people don't know how insane he is will he accept defeat from his own party if he loses a primary i don't think so then what happens what happens if he loses south carolina new hampshire florida what does he do i'm not talking about the general election what if he loses a couple of primaries Like I said, if I didn't live in America, this would be so much fun to watch. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Please share this. Please like this. Please leave comments. Correct me if I got my math wrong. Uh, Thank you to the mods, Bob in the chat room. uh, And thank you for finding me. And I will see everybody, I think, tomorrow. Thank you, everybody. Oh, and subscribe to my newsletter and my channel. Thank you.